I believe last week I failed to give two of the words that we were looking at in the fill-in spots, the blanks there. And we were looking last week at how to know God through scriptural sanctification, not through pseudo-sanctimonious, spurious sanctification. And the four words were, this sanctification is the sanctification of an apostate or of appearances. I gave those, I know. But the next one is from John 17, absenteeism. That is, they are in the world, but they're not around in the world. The Lord said, I've left them here to be a testimony to the world. And the third one was asceticism, which we didn't get to cover from Colossians. And that is a good one because it's in that chapter, it deals with about four isms in chapter two of Colossians. And asceticism doesn't work like um, being a monk and cloistered away in a place. The Lord didn't say that in chapter 17 of John, as we looked at last week, he wants us to be out there. And being a testimony, being a light, being salt. How can you be salt if you're in the shaker? I think we mentioned that last week. Is that where the shakers come from? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I don't think that was that way. But um, out in the world, preserving, influencing. Today, we move on to the doctrine of imputation. And you say, oh, what's all that about? (laughs) Well, it's a wonderful truth that's taught in God's word. And folks, you do it every week. You do imputations every week. It's just a big word to describe. You put money in the bank and you take money out. And you spend it and you save it or whatever you do with it. And um, like alienation and reconciliation, a couplet doctrines. So righteousness and imputation go together. They just go together. (laughs) They have to. (laughs) It's like this goes with that. And righteousness and imputation. And confusion reigns in religious circles of how to be made righteous. Really, that's why we've got all the denominations we have. And it's about what we're talking of this morning. How do we get righteousness? How do we become righteous? In religious circles, some say... Baptism is that which makes you righteous. And they quote from Peter. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Whoa. That's against our doctrine. (laughs) But read the rest of the verses. And it says that he that doesn't believe is condemned. Doesn't say not baptized. And so, so even some Baptists can get tangled up with that. Unless you've been baptised in our church. Well, they don't go quite so far as that. They just say, you're not of the bride. You're friends. You're there in heaven, but you're not of the bride. And we don't believe that. Um, If it's baptism that gets gets you to heaven, how come the thief got to heaven that was on the cross next to the Lord? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise, said the Lord. And he couldn't get baptised, could he? He believed. And that was what got him into heaven. Um, Others teach, well, thinking of the baptism thing too. Go back. Are there people, are there religious organizations that teach you have to be baptized to go to heaven? And they're in town. Church of Christ. 
Church of Christ. You see, I know about it because my family way back were involved in the Church of Christ. And um, I got a leaflet from one of them once saying that uh, today you got saved as the day I got baptized. I said, no, I didn't. I got saved six years ago. <laughs> and, and today I got baptized. So <clears throat> there, are, there is confusion out there. And this imputation doctrine will clear, clear it up. And chapter 4 of Romans is central to that. Some say you've got to work your way to heaven and do this and that. And Seventh-day Adventists can, not all, but can fall into that category. Some say you've got to do the sacraments. <laughs> you know, you've got to partake of the sacraments. And, and if you're not given the last rites before you die, that's it. Just slip out in eternity lost. No. If you don't make a confession just before you die, that's it. You know, when a Christian dies, he doesn't have to have sacraments or have the priest there to hear a confession. No. He goes out and Sister Lorna went out into eternity. She has a high priest. She now knows and sees him. And, and, and that's the one we go to to confess our sins. He's the one. Not, <clears throat> not a person. Um, ordinances and keeping the law. Well, that's the Jewish folk. They think that's the way to get to heaven. That's the way to be become righteous before God. Catechisms. Confessionals. Um, monasticism. <laughs> ritualism. All these things people say you've got to do to get to heaven. And the trouble is with the big do. <laughs> you don't have to do, do, do any of these works to get to heaven. And this doctrine will clear that up. It's simply by faith. And when um, <clears throat> Troy was starting to talk this morning, he started heading toward Romans. He started heading toward what I was <laughs> going to preach on. And I thought he's going to... Well, he, no, he complimented the ser sermon. He got prepared, us prepared for that in the early part of his study in the adult class. But <clears throat> looking at Romans in chapter 4 and, and Abraham, the questions were about Abraham early this morning, earlier this morning. It's simply by faith. Hebrews 12, verse 6. What does it say? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It said nothing about works there at all. And, and, and faith is not a work. <laughs> we believe what has been done for us. So it's simply by faith that the righteousness of God is imputed to us. It's tragic that the, this blessed truth has been muddled and confused, tortured and twisted and disputed over by theologians through centuries of wrangling and strife. May I ask you a question this morning? <laughs> What's your credit like with God? I, did, I didn't ask what it's like with the bank. <laughs> what was you? What did you? I said unlimited. Uh, okay. <laughs> because it's not your righteousness, <laughs> is it? If God is the great creditor, are you in the red or in the black? I like to say in the green. Let's go. But <laughs> they say countenance in the black. As far as he is concerned, 
Are we in the red or the black? Are we indebted to him or are we in credit to him? The whole idea of credit card is based on a person's credit rating. I've never had my credit rating done. Maybe I have and I didn't know it. I asked for a loan way back. Um, <clears throat> meaning how much the, the bank will let you lend or if they can lend you anything or if you can handle a debt. They, the lender, want you to pay as little off so you can make, they can make money off the interest that they're charging you. We live in a strange world today. If you wait a little bit longer, maybe another year or so, if you get a loan from the bank, they'll pay you to get a loan. That's where it's heading. It's happening in Europe already. But if you've got money in the bank, they'll charge you. Now you say, that's, I can't get my head around that, but they're doing it already. <laughs> it's not really working well. I, do, I wouldn't think it would. But what's the idea of doing it that way? Well, it's to get money, to get people who've got money to spend it to get the economy going. And they keep on down, down, down <laughs> with that. But that's a, that's a by the way. <laughs> it does, that sort of system doesn't work with the Lord. Okay. <laughs> You can only borrow as much as your credit rating allows, say, the bank. <clears throat> Romans 4 asks us to consider how much credit we have with God. How's your credit rating in heaven? You say you're talking worldly stuff. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> we can relate it because we, this is what we know about. We live in a world where we have to use money. It's a, the love of it is the root of all evil, not having it, but the love of it. <clears throat> now, it doesn't say money here, but we know what it's talking about. Verse 19 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Lay up for yourselves treasures, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven so to ask the question how's your credit in heaven <laughs> i think is legitimate lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also the light of the body is the eye if therefore the eye be single the whole body shall be full of light but if the eye be evil the whole body shall be full of darkness if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness and no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other else he will hold to the one and despise the other ye cannot serve God and mammon money <laughs> um, <clears throat> the mammon of unrighteousness how's your credit rating with God are you laying up treasures in heaven? Or are you occupied with a mammon of earth? And uh, really, when we're talking about the... Uh, that, that is talking to Christians. This is talking... To, what about before you're a Christian? Hmm. What are we before God? Have we credit for before him? You know, we've um, gone and had a stall for the church. We don't do that. <laughs> Don't worry, Andrew, we're not going to do it. We don't have a fate. That's the fate of the church. That, that's not the way things work here. 
It's the free will offerings. And, and people that do these things thinking they're getting credit with God and laying up treasures for they're trying to earn their salvation. No, if they do it for the Lord and his work, maybe that's different. But free will offerings is the way we go. And when we were born into this world, were we in debt to God or was he indebted to us? You see, a lot of people think God owes us a living and it's not true no when we were born we're in debt to god we we're born sinners for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned romans five twelve. so we're indebted to god from birth how can we get into credit well that's what this imputation doctrine answers spiritually bankrupt before God we all are and were before we got saved and uh, we, I, I pray that you haven't been declared bankrupt in this world but we've been declared bankrupt by God bef bef before him because we are indebted to him Paul presents two witnesses here in Romans that is in Romans chapter 4 and let's look at them. <clears throat> Who are they? And the first one we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning was Abraham, the greatest, the greatest of the patriarchs of the Old Testament, and David, the greatest of the kings of the Old Testament. These two are presented in verse, verses 1 through to 12 of Romans 4. Let's pray before we look at some of the details of this doctrine of being receiving imputed, imputed righteousness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. I pray that it would be understood by each of us, that we would understand that we are indebted to you. There is no way we can pay that debt. There is no works of the flesh that will satisfy you, for all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But there is a way, and praise you that you have made the way possible for us not to be indebted to you, and it's a gift of God. Righteousness imparted. Oh Lord, Lord, what a privilege to be stand, able to stand before you just as if we had never sinned by the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Bless our thoughts today. Be with those that are not able to be here. Minister to their needs. Be with those that are listening in on the podcast or whatever. Lord, minister to them also. And Lord, we pray that you'd be with Lorna's family at this time and the passing of Lorna and with all the organisation of that, we pray that your hand would be upon that. Lord, bless us now in this service. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. <clears throat> the first point there, if you have a bulletin and filling it out, the rumour of the Jews of Abraham's righteousness. The Jews held Abraham up as a primary example of a man who had been saved by works. Did you hear what I just said? The Jews held him up as a man that had been saved by works. They believed that he was the example of all who live a right life. 
They believed that God accepted and justified Abraham because he earned it. And therefore he had something and they, they also could join in with crowing about his works and righteousness. That's what they believed. But Paul dispelled that in Romans chapter 4. If this be true, that he worked and earned his way to heaven, he had something to crow about. But what does verse 2 of Romans 4 tell us? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something of which to glory. And he hasn't got anything for which to glory because he wasn't justified before God, but not before God, as Paul said there, said in, that, in this chapter. And that's what Paul was aiming right at the Jews when he said this in Romans. The Lord, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit, inspiring him to write this. <clears throat> Let's think of some people and what they crow about of how they're going to get to heaven. We've mentioned some things already. But the Catholics, they crow about what? Their deeds. Their, all the, the things that they do. And if, if they're all in heaven... And they're all saved by their works. What will they all be doing in heaven? Crowing. Thanks. <laughs> They'll be crowing about how they got there. And God's not going to have any of that. No one's going to be boasting there. You know, <clears throat> they, they canonize saints. Uh, Tim Fisher's passed away. Just near us, down there in a cancer hospital this week. A dedicated Catholic. And he was one that... Um, got. McKillop canonized I think and he was influential in that I heard it on the news this week but it doesn't matter what we do we can't earn and we will not be in heaven by our works Um, that's what uh, Luther was telling the church about the seventh day Adventists crow about diets and days let's turn to a, a portion of scripture Galatians chapter 4 you say they weren't there then no they weren't but that the doctrine was there and Paul was combating it in Galatians chapter 4 verse 8 nevertheless then when ye knew not God ye did service unto them by nature which are no gods but now after ye have known God or rather are known by God I like the way he put that uh, you've known God or sort of maybe you're known by God how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage? And he's talking to Jewish people. He, he said, you observe days and, and months and, and times and years. And, and what are some of the things that the Jews observed thinking they were earning their way to heaven? That, what are some of the days? And the Sabbath day, the Jubilee, the seventh month, the seventh day and the seventh year. They, they all had significance to them. They had the feast, the seven feast days. Hey, when you start adding up all the holidays, the religious holidays the Jews had, they had six months off a year, you know, to observe those. When you add the seventh year and all the other months, seventh month and seventh day, they had a lot of time. And that, that time the Lord gave them, yes, to worship God, but they had made these things that if they kept them, they would go to heaven. And that's, the Lord was saying, no, no. I'm afraid of you, Paul said in verse 11, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. 
Brethren, I beseech you, be ye as I am, for I am as ye are, ye have not injured me at all. Let's go to Colossians, and there are other verses you could read there. Colossians chapter 2. And this is that ism chapter <laughs> against isms. Chapter 2 and verse 16. <clears throat> We read there, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath day, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of Christ. <laughs> so diet, days, and these things that the Jewish people kept thinking and these Judaizers in Galatians kept thinking that would earn them the right to enter heaven is not right. Jehovah's Witnesses, they crow about being part of the 144,000 and they've gone way over that number. The, is, the Islamic religion, what do they crow about and say, I'm going to heaven because I... No, well, no, there's something more that is very prevalent. That is a case. Mm -hmm. Pull a pin on the bomb that's strapped to your body and blow yourself up and other people. And that earns you a place in heaven? You get 70 brides when you get there? And so <clears throat> be careful. And that's what, that's what they say, Adolf. Being a martyr. The mainline denominations, what do they say? Social gospel. The social gospel. I'm stirring some people up right here. Mainline denominations, they crow about social gospel. What is a social gospel? God loves all. Yeah. Helping people. Helping people, yeah. And, and, and should we do that as Christians? Yes. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but you don't do it to become a Christian. You do it because you are a Christian. And that's the difference. And, and the mainline denominations are very big about that today. The Buddhists, they self-inflict themselves. And we could go on. The Jews, well, their works. Turn to, because we have the Bible and it's a, written by Jews about Jews, and we can get a lot from that about what that nation thought in Luke chapter 18 and verse 11 to 14. If we don't adjust our thinking like Paul is trying to make us in Romans chapter 4, then we may be thinking we're going to heaven because we're working and doing this and doing that. And the Lord says, no, no one will. Chapter 18, verse 11. the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself God I thank thee that I'm not as this other, the other men are extortionists, unjust, adulterers or even as this publican here I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess and the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his eyes to heaven but smote upon his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. All the religions of the world are exalting themselves 
and not humbling themselves before the Lord and saying, Lord, I am a sinner. I am in debt to you. And, and what chapters of the Bible would you go to to show that every one of us are in debt to God and cannot pay the debt? Romans chapter two, 2 and 3. It's talking about Christians in chapter 6, but 2 and 3 there is talking about everyone being a sinner. And it concludes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none good, no, not one. And Paul emphasizes it, emphasizes it over and over again. He's driving the point home to the Jewish people whom he loved because he was one of them. That their works are not going to get them there. Just as this Pharisee here boasted. And he was looking down at the publican who was repenting. That guy was getting saved. That guy was going to go to heaven and not himself. You know, how wrong we can be in our estimations and judgments. We need to adjust it according to the Bible. God is not impressed with our works. The law has stopped every mouth of every man. In chapter 3 of Romans and verse 19, he's, he's stopped everyone boasting. He stopped everyone talking about getting to heaven and getting to, to, into God's presence by keeping certain laws. The law... According to scripture and Galatians, where we were a moment ago, was what for us? What does it do for us? What does the law do that we might, it might be used to do something in our lives? If you go to verse 24 of chapter 3 of Galatians, and you can read all the verses from 19 to 24 around there. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. It told us how sinful we are were how wrong we are how in debt to god we are because we cannot keep it nobody has ever kept it but the lord himself <laughs> while he lived on earth it's our schoolmaster you know what schoolmasters did if you ever had one i only had one of those sort in the whole of my school days it was grade six they were very strict. Mr. McConnell, sorry. <laughs> He's not here today, so. <laughs> but he had the cuts out and he had the strap and I broke my finger on my right hand and couldn't write properly and he was all over me about that and terrible writing with my left hand. So I told Dad. And Dad went and had a word to him. And he was my best friend after that. I don't know what Dad said. <laughs> but a schoolmaster... Makes you do it, dot your I's and cross your T's and law. But it was that that teaches us how wrong and estranged from God we are. And praise God for the schoolmaster. Praise God that it can be used to bring us to the point of salvation. Faith is the only thing that will save the human soul and grant righteousness the righteousness of God to the believer will take the debt away and as we believe by faith he will impute he will put into our account his righteousness and then when God sees us he sees us as righteous as his children as not condemned he sees us through his son the Lord Jesus and we're, we're saved. And everybody's trying to work their way up there. 
Oh, well, not everybody. Most people are trying to work their way to heaven. Isn't it so sad that God has made a way to get to heaven so simple? <laughs> believe by faith that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what does the Bible say? Thou shalt be saved. So listen, when you've got a lot of those doubts that come to yeah, most of our hearts and minds, have I believed? Do I believe that God is? Do I by faith believe that he is and his rewarder of those that diligently seek him? Do I believe he died on the cross for my sins? Do I believe he can impart his righteousness to me when I believe? Yes, yes, yes. If you say yes, you are saved. <laughs> You're, a, you're one of his. You see, the works way to heaven makes you doubt your salvation right through life. Because have I done enough? What do I do, need to do now? You know? And when we get to heaven, we'll all be growing. Like we talked about those earlier. <clears throat> what was the, the cry of Luther at the Reformation? And this is what he discovered. <laughs> This is why he crowed loudly about this and not boastfully. The just shall live by faith. Where did he find it? The book of Romans. That's why he, he said Romans is the book. James is a book of straw. <laughs> That's what he called it. A book because it talked about works in, in James. And, and the thing is, he shouldn't have called it a book of straw because as Christians we need to work. We need to have acts of righteousness done by us for others. That's not the righteousness that saves, but it's the righteousness displayed by the Christian in the good works we do for other people. The just shall live by faith. How are you living today? Let's go back to Romans chapter 4. What shall we say then that Abraham our father was pertaining to the flesh is found? Was he justified by works or by faith? Well, if Abraham were justified by works, he is something of which to glory, or we said crow, but not before God. Nobody has. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Just what we've explained. What saith the scripture? What is the real basis of Abraham's salvation? Because Abraham is the beginner of many nations have come from his loins many peoples as we saw this morning as the sand of the sea and as the stars of the heaven a number of people had come from him Abraham believed God and God saved him let's go back into the Old Testament in the book of Genesis Chapter 11 and verse 31. Let's see how Abraham believed God. And it'll encourage us, if we haven't believed as we ought, that we would believe. And maybe do some of the things that Abraham did to show that we believe. <laughs> 1131. And Terah took Abraham his son... And Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his, his son Abraham's wife, they got all that, 
got them all in their generations there. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. Abraham believed God and left Ur. You say, well, no, dad took him. <laughs> but Abraham was called to go forth from there in other scriptures that we read. We haven't time to look at them all. And yes, his father went with him. God told Abraham to leave your country, to leave your kin, your relatives. And it's interesting as you read through the historical account in Genesis, God didn't give Abraham the full understanding and implications of why he'd called him until the last person of his family left him. And who was that that clung to Abraham? Old Lot nephew and until lot left and i think it was god's doing that that choice was made where lot chose the well-watered plains of the jordan river and left him then god really started working in abraham's life but we're looking at the thought did abraham believe god in leaving ur of the chaldeans yes he did it's up in your roots and just leaving everything behind when you become a christian you up your tent and move out you move out from as it were Egypt the world and into the camp of faith and he exercised faith it wasn't a work he believed God would you leave your comfortable house to go and live out in the desert somewhere a place you didn't know a place that's supposed to be flowing with milk and honey that you'd never seen you'd never seen pictures you may have heard a little bit about it the crossroads of civilization, the land of Canaan. Abraham just went by faith and moved. They had running water. It might have been in trenches, but not in pipes in Ur of the Chaldeans. They've dug up historical things from there. <clears throat> the archaeologist. And he left a place of comfort. Well, yes, he went to Haran. But um, father had, I think, a bit of a choice in that. Um, <clears throat> and there... Abraham's father Terah died and Abraham moved on if you go to chapter 12 and verse 4 of Genesis we read so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him and Lot went with him and Abraham was 70 and 5 years old when he departed of Haran so he was younger when he departed from Ur you say that's getting old and long in the tooth to start a new life well remember he lived to double that age so he was mid-age when he moved out from Ur and really from Haran and uh, Lot went with him. But by faith he moved on at 75 years old, 35 in our terms today, <coughs> he moved on. By faith he believed. By, by believing God he made a covenant with God. If you go to chapter 15 and verse 6 and this covenant is prominent in 15, 16 and 17 of Genesis. You know, sometimes you just read it historically, but what was happening in the history there? Chapter 15 and verse 2. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one is born in my house, is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth from thine own bowels shall be thine heir. 
And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look toward, look toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And what did he do? And he believed. Just as we must believe by faith on the finished work of the Lord, Abraham believed the word of the Lord that he would keep his promises. He believed the Lord and notice the next word. And these are the words that are used in, in Romans chapter 4. He, and he, God, counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. Abraham became righteous before God because he believed. Not because he did a work, but because he believed. He was indebted, now he's in credit to God. Because of God, what God has put in his, into his account. Chapter 15 verses, well, we've read verses 4 to 6. Verses 9, we read there. And he said unto him, Take me a heifer and of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst. He cut them in half and laid each piece one against the other. So he put them, separated them, but the birds he divided not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Get out of here. I mean, the vultures probably turning up to this feast that Abraham laid out. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. That's the Egyptian bondage. And also the nation whom they, they shall serve, I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great substance. And they did. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come out here again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces of these sacrifices. So here Abraham had laid these animals, split them in half, laid them out. And this is a way to make a covenant in those days with another man. Here was a covenant being made between God and Abraham. And Abraham had got it all ready. Then God put him in a deep sleep. And then God passed between the pieces to, make a co the, to ratify the covenant. But not Abraham. He was in a sleep. And this covenant is a very, very important covenant. In the same day the Lord made, in verse 18, a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed I will give this land from the river of Euro Egypt, that's the Nile, unto the great river Euphrates. You're going to put, take this place. And he believed and was imputed to him or counted to him for righteousness. Back in verse 6. This is a covenant that is still in force today. It's a covenant that Abraham cannot break because he didn't pass between the pieces. It's a covenant that God keeps and will keep to the children of Abraham, the national children of Abraham, the, the Jewish people. And so <clears throat> the reality of Abraham's faith, he believed God. He, he, this covenant was made with him. He divided the animals. God passed between the pieces in verse 17. If you go back to chapter 17 and verse 17 of Genesis, we read this. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, 
Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? You know, I'm past it. <laughs> and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. He's the one. <laughs> and God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I'll establish my covenant with him. The one he established with Abraham would go on to the next generation. And an everlasting, an everlasting covenant not to be taken back. And with his seed after him, all those that descended from them. <clears throat> now he had a son at a hundred years old Hebrews 11, 11 tells us that and verse 17 of the same chapter of Genesis at a hundred years old he offered his son in Hebrews 11 verse 17 and uh, he was some say he was in his young adulthood some say he was an older teenager I believe an older teenager they could have wrestled He's dead, but he didn't. He submitted. And let's turn to Genesis 22 where this happened. Genesis 22. What I'm saying about all this, the reality of Abraham's faith, he believed God. Just as we must believe to be saved and to get into credit with God when we're in debt to him. And Genesis 22 verses 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. He's already re always ready to answer God when he talked to him. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And it's believed to be where the Temple Mount is in Jerusalem, in the Rock of Omer, up there on the Temple Mount. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, settled his ass. He didn't ask Sarah. What would Sarah say? You're not going to go. You're not taking my only son. He's the son of my old age, past childbearing. You're not going to do this. But maybe, maybe she would have, maybe she wouldn't have. <laughs> and he took two, two young men with him and his son and clave the wood for a burnt offering and rose up and went into the place that God had told him of. And... Uh, Abraham took the wood in verse 6 of the burnt offering and laid it upon his son Isaac. Now, his son could have resisted. It seems he believed too, as his dad, Abraham, believed. And he took the fire in his hand and knife, and they went, both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. No more questions asked. <laughs> I think Isaac had a pretty good idea what was going on here. <laughs> he bound his son in verse 9. And then the Lord provided a lamb. Tell me, fathers, would any of you do that? <laughs> How hard would it be to do that with the son of promise? Very hard. So he believed God. He had faith that God, if he killed his son, was able to raise him up. But that God would provide a lamb also. He's believing faith at 85 years old. Did it come before his circumcision, which was at 100 years old when he was circumcised? No. Yes, he did. <laughs> He believed before he did the work. 
And this is where the Jewish nation had it all backwards. They say Abraham worked his way to heaven. No, 15 years earlier, he believed by faith and did the things we're talking about in Genesis. Back to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And all these things tie together. If you don't know the Genesis, you don't understand the Romans. <clears throat> Romans 4.9 Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. And it was. How was it reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? It was when he was in uncircumcision that it was reckoned. Because he believed by faith 15 years earlier. He acted by faith. He believed that his seed would be as the stars of the heaven and the sand of the sea. He believed that if he, he could have a child at 100. He believed that if he sacrificed his child, God would raise him up and provide a lamb. Anyway, as we saw he did. He believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Folks, you don't have to work your way to heaven. Abraham didn't. He believed. He believed. We could speak much about the circumcision thing and go to the book of Acts 15. But we haven't time. The results of Abraham's faith is seen in verse 4 of Romans. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. In other words, God will be indebted to us. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So have you been trying to work your way to heaven? Have you been trying to please God to get righteousness? If you have, forget it. Stop it. Just believe what God has done for you on your behalf without charge. He will take your debt of sin, and we'll look at this more in a couple of weeks' time. He will take your debt of sin, and he will impute and put to your account righteousness. And then you're not indebted to God. You're in credit because of his righteousness given to you. It's a gift. Huh. Isn't salvation a gift? It's a free gift. What a wonderful thought. <clears throat> the word counted there means to credit to one's account and to treat them accordingly. Someone illustrated it like this. If you went to the bank and tried to write a check at an overdrawn account, they would treat you accordingly and tell you to leave or burn the check or whatever. However, if you went to the bank and deposited a million dollars in your account and then wrote a check, they would credit that to your account. Do you see the spiritual side of this truth? When we place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, God credits our accounts in the bank of heaven with the righteousness of Christ. And then he treats us just like he would treat the Lord Jesus, his son. However, if we do not open our account in heaven with a deposit of faith, and we try to secure God's favor by substituting our own righteousness, then we'll be treated just like we deserve to be treated and we'll be sent away to hell. That's it. What must I do to be saved? And what was the answer of Paul? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Ethiopian eunuch by Philip was told in Acts 8 to 37, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
just believe. <laughs> Maybe I've complicated it this morning. I hope not. <laughs> but it's just belief. And you're going to go to heaven. It can't be that easy. I must have to do something. I never get paid for doing nothing. I mean, I only get paid for doing something. <laughs> How do you put it? <laughs> uh, no, you don't. Just believe. Won't you come today and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And it will be counted to you for righteousness. Reckon to your account. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May it be a blessing to us. May we not be like many religions and isms out there that try to work their way to heaven, try to please their God, which are no gods. And they never can please the God of heaven by working. May they just by simple faith believe like Abraham and it will be counted to them for righteousness. Oh, what a blessing to know these things and to be part of them as we believe. Bless the soul that's seeking with salvation, with salvation today, Lord. And may the Christian rest assured in the righteousness imputed to their account. And may they lay out treasures in heaven continually from that point on as they serve and labour for their master. And not seek the things of this world and the mammon of unrighteousness, but seek the master on the right hand of the throne. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.